Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Riverbend. If you have a copy of God's Word, we are going to be in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15. It is a tough passage. But um, I believe that there is a foretelling at the end of the passage for the season that we are entering into. So, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I'm going to begin for us this morning in verse number 10. As we look at Saul disobeying the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 10, it states these words. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then? Is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites. And fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people, the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the passage in front of us this morning is a uh, hard passage to hear. Father, for, for me, personally, and I believe for those of us in the room, individually, personally, it is easy to look at other sin, other individuals' sin. And Father, it is easy to see that and magnify it while at the same time, Lord, to look at our own sin and minimize it. God, in the moments that we spend in 1 Samuel this morning, may You look at our hearts and our lives. Would You bring to our minds Sin. Sin that we have committed against you. Sin that we have omitted when you told us to do something and we did not do it. All for this purpose that we would fall on our faces, Lord, when confronted with that sin and we would seek forgiveness. We would repent and turn from our sin. God, the example that you have given us with Saul and his life, Lord, it is glaring, it is sad. May it not be our story. May we learn from it this morning. May we turn to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Paying the price for us, Jesus, as we have sung. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for being king, risen, living, reigning. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The moment that we find ourselves in does not leave me. I, I do understand that it is Christmas season. I, I, I understand it on a number of levels, um, one being that uh, the waistline is increasing because Thanksgiving just hit and I need to push away from the table, yet I failed to do that, and I understand that. Maybe you are in that same boat. This is not per se a sermon on gluttony, but as I stated before I read the passage of Scripture, it is a hard passage, yes, but as we come to the end of it, even in the harsh words that Samuel has for Saul, there is a glimmer of hope with one that is about to come on the scene. A glimmer of hope with David and even from that lineage, um, Jesus. Um, let's walk through 1 Samuel chapter 15 this morning and let's look at Saul's disobedience. 
And as we do this, please do something with me. Don't just look at it as a history lesson. Don't just look at it as an example that happened some 3,000 plus years ago. Look at it with this lens in mind. Saul, I understand because I am so similar to you. Father, I understand because I find myself so often like Saul in hearing your word and not obeying it. Saul's disobedience is front and center, and I believe that there are uh, three points that I would like for us to grab a hold of this morning. And the first is this, that um, we see in this passage that disobedience begins on the inside. It, it begins on the inside, but it quickly makes its way to the surface. Um, it, it makes its way to the surface in Saul's life very quickly. It quickly makes its way out in public, and you and I can try to paint over it as much as we would like, just as Saul seeks to, and we'll see that in just a second, but it starts deep. Within, Look there in those verses once again, starting there in verse 10. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Specifically, what were the commandments that God gave to Saul? What were the commandments that God gave to the children of Israel? Well, you have to look back in verses 1 through 9. And in verses 1 through 9, the word was this. Set aside those Amalekites for destruction. Utterly destroy the Amalekites. And it is easy for us in 2019 to look at those words and say, that's so archaic. That is so terrible that God would say, destroy all the men, the women, the boys, the girls, the babies, the sheep, everything, destroy them. But what we need to understand is this, that this was a, an action of judgment. It was not for Saul to build his kingdom. It wasn't to expand the borders of Israel to say, hey, this is um, why we're doing this for you to grow Israel with its wealth or with its landmass. No, this is judgment on this nation because of the way they have acted over the generations from the time that your forefathers, Saul and Israel, were walking from Egypt into this land and how they treated you then and how they have subsequently treated generation after generation. So you are to destroy them. But did Saul do it? Look in verse 14. Excuse me, verse 13. Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. We 
just read that we know that he didn't command he didn't do the commandment of the Lord. But Saul stands in front of Samuel believing that the sin and the disobedience was still on the inside. And he's already made it to the surface for everyone to see, especially Samuel and all of Israel to see. But Saul's continuing to try to cover that up. And you're like, Brian, why are we talking about this this morning? Let me ask you a question. Have you said those same words? Have have you said those same words? Have you had that same thought that Saul has had? I have performed the commandment of the Lord, knowing full well that we have not done the commandment of the Lord. In the passage, you and I see the king leading the army to do what God said. Go fight the Amalekites. But you and I see Saul and the army and all of Israel, as he says, save some sheep, save Agag, save the best things. So why would they do that? Why would you and I, why would we hear from the Lord and say, hey, this is how you ought to live, Brian. This is the things that you ought to make important, yet we don't make those things important. These are the words that you need to say and how you need to say them, yet the way that I say them, the way that you say them, aren't the way that he tells us to say them. Disobedience starts on the inside but it quickly makes its way to the surface. It started on the inside with Saul, yet it made its way to his surface, and it made its way to the surface saying these things. Um, God, you, I don't believe that you know what's best for me or for this nation. I don't believe that you are going to take care of us, so therefore I'm going to save some of the best. I don't believe that what you're saying for me to do in this moment and at this time is what's best. And so I'm just going to do it my way. And you and I, very easily, very easily, we look at Saul and say, Saul, it was right there in front of you. All you had to do is obey God's voice. But could we not also say, if we look at somebody else's life that's living today, if we look at what God is calling for us to do as individuals, could we not say, it's just right there, Brian. Why in the world are you struggling so hard and so much? Disobedience. Begins on the inside, but it quickly makes its way to the surface. Second 
point, let's try to understand the situation even more clearly. Not only does it start on the inside and quickly make its way to the surface, but sin, as we see, sin, the second point, as it is shown out in the public as Saul um, disobeys the Lord, we see that sin seeks to keep these things covered, and he says, I have done everything that you wanted me to do. And you and I would look at that and say, wow, do you see the setup? The setup is there at Gilgal, Saul is glorifying his name. At Carmel, excuse me, in verse 14, at Carmel, he has made this monument for himself. He has now passed from there to down to Gilgal. Samuel meets him, and Saul is there, and he is celebrating with the children of Israel. He is there um, with all the karaoke machines. He is there with everybody dancing, everybody having a, a great time. And Samuel shows up, and Saul's like, this is awesome, isn't it? And Saul says, uh, have you obeyed? And Saul, Samuel says, have you obeyed? And Saul says, yes, I've obeyed. Then what is that bleeding of sheep that I hear? What are those lowing of oxen that I hear? And verse 15, deflection starts, trying to cover his tracks. They have brought them from the Amalekites. The people spared the best of the sheep. The people shared, uh, spared the best of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. In trying to cover sin, he blames all the people for the bad. And he includes himself for the good. Have you ever found yourself in that same spot? When you are caught in the sin that you have participated in. Have you sought to blame everyone else around you for the bad? And in those small spots that you actually did what you were told to do. I remember growing up, um, parents went out of town. And uh, when the parents went out of town, that meant um, I stayed at my grandmother's house. And my grandmother was probably like your grandmother. She was much more lenient than my mother. Much more lenient than my mother. And my mom and dad gave me a set of rules to follow this particular time. And um, I knew that my grandmother was not going to check on me. I knew what my curfew was. I did not know that my parents had uh, set up a couple of other spots to watch after their son. And so when they came back into town, how was the weekend, Brian? Oh, the weekend was great. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. Really? <sighs> yes, really. Today, I look at that weekend and I think, 
wow, I am Saul. I am Saul. I try to cover things. I try to speak and cover that sin as much as possible and deflect. You and I find ourselves in a nation and a culture where one government leader after another deflects and deflects. And here we see Saul trying to cover everything. But you know what happens? God will not allow you or me. He will not allow Saul in this instance to stay in that spot. Sin loves darkness, yet God brings light. And when He brings the light, there's an opportunity for forgiveness. Saul said to Samuel, verse 24, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So let's pause right there and see this third point, that sin will not remain victorious. It will not bring victory in the end. It never wins. And it didn't win with Saul, and it doesn't win with you or me. Saul says, I've sinned. Maybe you've said that same thing. Saul says, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, meaning this, that I have gone against what the Lord has stated. I've gone against the words that you gave me back in the first part of the chapter. And he even gives reason why he did it. I did it because I feared people instead of him. But this sorrow that we find in Saul's life is not a sorrow that leads to repentance. It's a sorrow that says, I'm sorry I got caught. But sin never wins in the end. And the judgment that was supposed to be for the Amalekites has now come front and center for Saul. Verse 27, as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. For he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, verse 30, I have sinned, yet honor me now. This is Saul speaking. Honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. 
Samuel said, bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul. The Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. It's a hard passage this morning. Let me draw a couple of things and I want us to to spend just a few moments of... uh, Reflecting before we come to a time of response. In verse number 10, it states that the word of the Lord came to Samuel that I regret that I have made Saul king over Israel. In verse number 29, it states this, And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret For he is not a man that he should have regret. Is that a contradiction? If you read through this passage and you hit verse 10 and you saw verse 29 and then you saw at the end verses 34 and 35, it speaks of it again of him having regret. 32 through 34, having regret. Is this a contradiction? Is this a a statement of God saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't believe that it is. God states in verse 11, I regret that I made him king. And then again, I regret toward the end of the chapter that I have made him king. Bringing a... An, an, an understanding that, hey, I understand from your side, from humans' side, this is the emotion that is there. But I also understand in verse 29 that he should not have regret because he knows your days and my days. He knows the plan that is in place, whether Saul is on the throne or as we're going to see in chapter 16, that David is anointed as king and there from that lineage comes Jesus. All these things are taking place for a particular purpose. And he is working in you and in me even today in the midst of your sin to show himself, show you himself, and to grow you closer and closer to him. So I have regret, but the Lord does not have regret. I don't believe is a contradiction. The next thing that I see in this passage for us to just ponder for a moment, How easy is it for me and how easy is it for you to downplay your sin? To downplay my sin? Maybe you find yourself like this. 
Let's use me as an example because I don't want to um, use you. If you use me as judge and ruler, meaning the, the standard, and you say, well, that Brian, he does X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z are true. I'm not the standard. Just because X, Y, and Z are true in my life, whatever those things are, and you say, well, I don't do X, Y, and Z, and Brian does, so therefore I'm better than Brian. Great, you're better than me. But guess what? We're both still woefully short of the standard. And just because you can swim five miles further in the Pacific Ocean toward Hawaii doesn't mean that you are getting to Hawaii in your swimming. It means you just drowned five miles closer to Hawaii than I did. We both drowned. Because the standard is for us all to proverbially, in this statement, get to Hawaii. And there's no way that we're getting there in and of ourselves. Saul deflects, and you and I have the tendency to deflect our sin. And Saul desires to bring praise on his actions when those small steps are right. And you and I too, so often. So Brian, where is the hope in this? For me, the hope is right there in verse number 23 and 24. Saul said, I have sinned. May you and I say the same. Saul says that I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. May you and I say the same. But may our hearts be different than Saul's in understanding that we have sinned. In understanding that we have transgressed this commandment, may that understanding lead us to repentance and not just being sorry that we got caught. So often I'm sorry that I got caught. So often I am sorry that others found out this, that, or the other, that I said this or didn't say this, that I went there or didn't go there. May it truly be a sorrow of repentance. So in these last few moments, understanding that sin does not end in victory. Think of a couple of things about your life. Where has there been disobedience in your life that you've tried to cover up this week? Where has there been disobedience in your life that you have just deflected and said, well, I'm so much better than this other person? Where has there been sin in our lives this week, this month, today, where we are looking at those around us and saying, yeah, I've done everything that God has asked me to do. Last week, I was studying for the sermon. 
Um, and as I was studying for the sermon, I pulled out a, uh, a book, and I used the quote last week of Manly Beasley on faith, and um, as I pulled out the book to find the quote, I was reminded of an exercise in the book, and um, the exercise was this, if you want to get close to God, Find a legal pad and just pause and start writing down as God brings those to your mind, sin. And don't make it a quick exercise. In the book, uh, Beasley is speaking of a, an encounter with a lady named Bertha Smith that um, she was sharing this about for him. And she said, go spend, get a blank legal pad, go spend some time with the Lord and start writing down all the sins. And um, so I just paused, shut the door of the office, and I pulled out the legal pad, and I just started writing down sins. Bertha Smith said, don't come back quick, even though you want to. I wrote 15 or 20 down, and I said, okay, no, not quick enough, not long enough, too quick. And sometimes God will allow your sin. He'll cover it with grace for a period of time. Say, Brian, you're not ready to uh, deal with that yet, and I'm just going to cover it with grace. And then out of nowhere, he will say, hey, you remember that right there? It's time for you to deal with it. And so I sat there and I, I wrote down some general sin that I knew was in my life that was specific. And then he uncovered this. And I was like, whoa, I totally forgot about it. How you and I respond to those moments when he says, hey, here is sin. Your sin, Brian. Your sin, Riverbend. Your sin, sir, ma'am. Here is sin. How you respond to it will bring life or death at that moment. Freedom? Victory? Or throw those chains back on you and turn you away from victory. I don't understand it. I don't know if I'm making it clear to you. I hope that I am. Saul is the example in front of us this morning, so often of ourselves. It's okay. I've done everything that God wants me to do, knowing that we have not done everything that God wants us to do. I have obeyed the word of the Lord, knowing that I have skirted it, knowing that I want to just go and do what I want to do and am doing it. Trying to get the rubber stamp that God has in front of us. Riverbend, may you and I in this moment and today not quickly go past this 
He desires to do a great work and continue that work in us and through us. Yet He will not use me or you if we will not come clean. The example in front of us in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is one who saw it, heard it, knew it, yet turned away. May we today not be like that. As Saul begs Samuel to come with him, as Saul begs Samuel not to leave him, he grabs his robe and it tears. What a, th- I mean, just the, the picture is so thick. It, it is so vivid right there. And Saul tears the robe and as he's looking at it, Samuel turns and says, just as that piece of robe tore, you have now been torn away from the kingship of all of Israel. I'm so thankful that um, that even though God knows my sin and He knows your sin, He has made a way for you and for me to have forgiveness and victory over those sins. We sang about Him just a moment ago. His name is Jesus. He came as a baby. He lived a perfect life and took your place. So that you might have freedom. And you might have life abundant now and forevermore. And some of us in the room, we know that. We have accepted Him. He is our Savior. We are His sons and daughters. But for some in the room, you're still searching. And know that there is only one answer. And it is Jesus. And He is saying to you and to me today the same. I love you so much. Would you just come to me? Heavenly Father, in this time of response, God, would you start or continue to reveal to us Sin. Father, may that, may that sin that you reveal to us, that sin of, of lifestyle, Father, that sin of, of defiance against you, Father, as it comes to our understanding, I pray that as we sing, God, we would respond back to you. God, as we hear you say this sin or that sin, Father, it would break our hearts. God, that I would repent, we would repent, so that we might be, so that we might have a 
new fellowship. Not relationship, because if we're yours, we're yours. But a fellowship restored, renewed. Because we come clean with the sin that is in our lives. God, I pray that you would do that even now. Father, that uh, God, we thank you for your son. God, we celebrate this time of year of his coming, knowing what he came for, what he came to do, and that was to die. But thank you for the birth. Thank you for the season that we celebrate. God, would you work even now? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and join us as Alex leads us? Would you respond back to the Father as he brings things to light in your life? You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live simple.